Hanley Armagh, Caroline O'Hanlon, the right person in the right team. Only for point number 10. Hello and welcome back to the Sideline Eye podcast. You're very welcome to our preview show and we're looking forward to the intermediate championship final that takes place this Sunday as part of a double header. Of course, Blake take on cross Glenn seconds in the first game, and it's at 1.45 in the athletic rounds, and that's the junior championship final. And at four o'clock, it's going to be the intermediate between Colleville and Kerr Kruppen. And looking forward to this game, and Peter Nugent is on with me to discuss everything post uh, before the match. And I suppose, Peter, when the championship draw come out, these were two teams that we weren't looking for. Really, you're seeing Colleville against Shane O'Neill's. You expected maybe a bit of a game. You expected Kruppen to maybe do their best and get through their group. Definitely didn't see these two coming into a final. And it's it's a big credit to both sides. And it's interesting to note that Colleville, they last won the championship 10 years ago. And anybody that was at that game will remember the performance that Kane Hatzer put on. He scored 1-9 and got man on match um, and then beating Kane and Oog. John McIntyre, of course, was the manager that day as well. So Hotzer's now the manager. So are they carrying on a bit of that, um, a bit of that momentum from 2011? Yeah, I'd say so, Sean. They, um, Colville back at that time, I think they get they get beat maybe in a couple of different intermediate finals. They seem to be knocking around that circuit for for, for years, getting beaten in finals and uh, a couple of semi finals. Remember the. They would have knocked us out on maybe two or three years in a row um, in semi finals and that. So it seemed like they were waiting an age to actually end up winning the thing. But I think John McAtee came in then and uh, the, the quickly, they quickly moved on from that. I think they got to an Ulster final as well um, in, in that year where I think the team Derry maybe beat them. So uh, yeah, the, the Colville would have a, have a bit of pedigree um, at this, uh, in this competition. It's actually not that long going, 2018. They actually got promoted to Division 2A. Uh, as well, they didn't win the championship, but they went up on on their league stand. So, um, yeah, they're they're always a, a comfortable team at intermediate, and um, I'm sure there's a lot of excitement uh, in, in the area this week for them. Um, just on that though, Sean, I feel I have to pull you up because obviously I've been a champion of Prutland for for quite a while here. So, uh, I would say if you'd asked me at the very start, now I think I would I would have probably had a wee a wee sneaky bet that Prutland might be too far away. I think you did have them as dark horses right now, Peter. <laughs> so um, <laughs> maybe Colville is the big surprise package and um, Kerr Kruppen. Well, they'll, they'll be delighted to be there as well. Um, just on that 2011 team, I was just checking it out today. Fergal Rowland, Nell Rowland and Colin Waters all played that day, all picked up championship medals in 2011. And as I said, Kieran Hotzer was the, uh, the model marks that day. He's now the manager. That's some bit of experience to be carrying into this weekend. Obviously, the two Rollins, Colin Waters, we'll get on to him in a bit, whether he's going to be playing or not. Um, but that's that's great experience for the younger boys on the team to listen to in the last, say, two weeks in training. Yeah, yeah, ab- absolutely. And that's all of all of 10 years ago. 
Um, so the fact that they've been able to retain that that nice uh, spine, I suppose what you call it, to the team, Sean, will be, be very important to them this, you know, this weekend. Uh, you look across at the opposition, Carcrop and maybe have a, have a really young and experienced, well, you say an experienced, they're, they're rapidly gaining experience, but, you know, there would be a, probably a deficit in experience to that degree, um, especially with the likes of, you know, the Rollins and, and, and Colin Waters and that, who not only have, you know, played a lot of club football, but also been, been in around that county scene as well. So um, you would think it would be, you know, especially when you've, when, when you've actually won it before, um, you would think it, it could be slightly advantageous to, to Colville, but they'll also be aware that, you know, no matter what happened in 2011 in terms of on the day, it'll have very little resemblance or burn on, on, on how they're going to perform uh, on, on Sunday. And it'll be very much a case of the team that brings the, the most, probably the most relaxed team, the team that comes in, um, you know, and, and relaxes into the game. Uh, and, and maybe settles quickest, gets in front, and, and can and can play football to the best that, that you know you, you, you know they possibly can. Will probably be the team that settles quickest and, and gets out in front. On that, we're talking about Colville's experience in winning the championship. Kerkruppen have a recent experience not winning the this uh, intermediate um, championship at senior level, but they've won it on under twenty one level recently as well. They won it in twenty nineteen. Barry Flynn was the manager at that stage. He's now the senior manager. And counting up, I think there's eight starters from that team that beat um, Clannagale in the final that are planning to start this weekend. That's some turnover of, of youth, Peter. And we talk about the youth of Kerkrup and all the time. But Barry Flynn obviously deserves big credit from carrying through them, them eight players that are starting and no doubt a few more as well. Yeah, well, that's that's the thing, and it was very deliberate with Carrick and Dunshawn. You know, maybe five or six seasons ago, they they sort of made a very deliberate call that they were going to to sort of don't want to say axe a lot of their 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 their, their players, but they, they made a conscious decision that they were going to run with youth, and you know, they maybe didn't win you know a, a league match for for the guts of near two years, and it took it took quite a few uh, beatings in that time. And I think it's fair to say. They were probably flirting at one stage with with demotion to junior football, but once the once they found their feet and, and, and they started to win a few games, um, I think it was maybe in the twenty nineteen season they started to put maybe three four wins together in Division Two B, and really you'd have to say since then they haven't really looked back. They were they were more or less unfaltered in the in the Two B League campaign over twenty twenty over twenty 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 one seasons. Uh, last season, well documented, good run in the championship, um, where they came up short uh, in the quarter final against St Paul's. Probably just that bit of naivety didn't uh, didn't lend them to get them over the line that day. But you can see in their run this year how how they've learned from from that defeat. And you know, we, we touched on it, I think a few weeks ago that you know they haven't been beat. That like losing really isn't in their isn't in their uh, vocabulary at the minute. They're winning games and then allowed to build that through the league campaigns. And now we're three games already under their belt in the championship and they seem to be just steadily improving round on round after what was probably a you know an iffy enough start. Once they cleared that first hurdle, now they really find their feet. And as you say, it's backbone by the likes of the, the Jack Collingham's and Richard Keane in midfield, Matthews at, at six, Arne Kimberley is is as good a, a man marker as it probably is at this level. Uh, and then up front, of course, with the likes of Tian and Kelly and, and Woods with just that absolute outrage, the lack of fan pace. 
yeah, and like talking about these young boys, um, Kerr Krupp and Lost won the intermediate in 2004. Um, I'm sure a lot of them were born, but probably don't remember um, anything about that. So there's going to be a huge contrast in the two teams this weekend. Um, I'm not sure. I don't want to name any of the older Kerr Krupp players. I'm not going to say that anybody maybe has an intermediate medal already, but um, there is contrast in age differences and, and experience heading into this one. There is. Um, I suppose Kerr Krupp's point of view, they'll be probably leaning on their captain, Stephen Larkin. Uh, I think Stephen will probably have a, a little bit of an older age disposition. Uh, I'm not sure exactly how much older, but I know he, he's, he's probably uh, slightly older than the you know than the majority of the rest of his teammates. Uh, so they can lean on him. Uh, uh, but yeah, you're, you're, you're 100% right in your assertion. I know we have a couple of younger guys playing for playing for Colleville, uh, Dark and that, who's, who's made a massive impact in the championship. But um, yeah, you're 100% right. But with sometimes with youth comes that sort of um, you know uh, they sort of don't pay as much attention to maybe the hand of history and things like that. And for them boys, it could just be a case of they, they can't really wait to get out and play another game of football on Sunday, and that could be good for them. I think that is always the point made with young teams is that they don't have any fear. They go out without fear while maybe when you get a bit older, there's a bit of pressure on you. Um, coming into this weekend, I want to talk a bit about that pressure, um, Peter. And I'm going to look at Colleville here. They've beaten Shane O'Neill's, St. Paul's and Sarsfields, who were the top three favourites, probably along with Tully Sarnod and uh, the top four favourites. They've beaten them. They've beaten the three of them quite convincingly. Um, while St Paul's could have stole it at the end, Colville were the better team, and they were the much the better team against Shane's and Sarsfields. They're heading into this one while they're going to get be relegated. They have been relegated, and Kerkrop are going up, and we'll discuss that what happens um, depending on who wins on Sunday. But Colville's going to head into this probably as favourites, slight favourites at that, but they're going to be favourites here. What's the mindset for Colville going in? Because I, I always feel Colville. They're a very good underdog team that they can raise their game when they're been written off and not much is expected of them. I'm not saying they're expected to win this, but they are the favourites going in. Is that going to be difficult to handle in, in terms of mindset? Possibly. Um, definitely, Sean, because it's probably not not too dissimilar. In Greens, we find ourselves in maybe a bit of a similar situation in 2019 where we had came through uh, meeting Mullivan and Thalana Gale, who, who were both really heavily favoured probably to, to, to put Grange out uh, and having got through both them games then and, and Shane O'Neill's had probably came through a less uh, a less sort of taxing maybe side of the draw. There was definitely a lot of talk, you know, well, the hard work's done, et cetera. But on the day, it can be, it can be different. And on that day, you know, Shane O'Neill's probably, probably played with that bit more freedom because there wasn't so much talk about them and, 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 and we probably struggled to a little degree. So I think, yes, you could, you could, you could make a case that whilst Colorado are favourites, there's not a lot more talk about them. People would have sat up and taken notice, especially from their last result, which was, you know, a really, a really brilliant performance and a brilliant result to knock out like everybody's, well, majority of people's clear favourites for the competition. So they've, they've now got that, that bit of a target on their back. Um, and you know, as as we alluded to earlier, probably the experience in their group—that's where that's really going to be coming in, really useful now. And that you know, settling people down, settling heads, because there would have been you know a bit of hype and a bit of you know a bit of joviality, I suppose, after after winning that semi-final. So the good thing for them is is that they got a couple of weeks to 
to sort of settle down the first week to sort of get bodies recovered um, and, and really bring everything back into neutral and now you sort of uh, slowly ramp it up again this week. On Colville, we'll keep talking about their experience and we did mention Colin Waters um, a couple of times earlier on. He's obviously one of the key men. He, he's one of the, the best forwards in the county at this level and he's shown that in the little game time he has got over the last um, three games. He started and played the whole game against Shane O'Neill's and he scored 2-3. Didn't play against St Paul's and come on the last day to kick three points to really guarantee the win for Colville. They're heading into this game and I'm sure you're the same as myself, Peter. You're not privy to any private information um, coming through from Colville, but we're not sure what the situation is with Colin Waters. Maybe he had such a big impact coming off the bench the last day that they're happy enough to go with that. You'd imagine if he's fully fit, they're going to have to start him. They're going to want to start him. And I'm sure Kerr Kruppen and Barry Flynn, like us, are previewing this game and plans for this game. They're going to assume that Colin Waters is going to be starting. Yeah, you would be planning for him and the opposition camp, you would definitely be planning for him, Sean. I think though the only thing is from a from a Colorville situation then they have that 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 that, that old um problem where they risk starting him if he if he's not a hundred percent the risk starting him, then he maybe you know pulls up, then you have that whole deflation within the group that your maybe your key marksman is 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 departing early and that can have an effect where sometimes if you know that He's been held in reserve, and if if the team can start well and be in the game, such a lift coming in. If he's good for twenty minutes or good for fifteen minutes or whatever it is, you know, then you get him in and you see what he can do. But obviously, it's not free deal for him. Uh, he's played a lot of football over the years. He's been besieged with a lot of a lot of injuries. I think Colin maybe done a, a couple of cruciate injuries at, at different times as well. So, like the fellas bounced back from from a lot of uh, uh, you know from a lot of heartache really in his football career and like he, he was marked out as being a real a real stellar talent in his, in his underage days and you know for one reason or another maybe he just didn't 100% fulfil that but uh, it would be great to see him uh, certainly taking the field on Sunday and, and showing every remind everybody what he's capable of I think it's worth mentioning while he didn't start against St Paul's or Sarsfields the rest of the forwards all did stand up and played very well um, with Dar Quinn there, you mentioned him. He wears number 12, but he usually plays around centre-half forward. He's the link man, but he can get in the score sheet as well. And he has scored 1-7 across the three games, his goal coming in that um, St Paul's game. You had Cahill Hatzer up top the last day, who was in sensational form and linked up. We showed a video the last day, linked up superbly well with Niall Rowland. It seemed every time Rowland had the ball, it was route one straight into Hotzer and he scored five points from from play. And you've ran Garvey up there as well, who we have spoke about at length in this podcast before. There are three deadly options, Peter, for um, Colville, if Waters doesn't start or if they decide not to play him from the start. Yeah, yeah. And look, they've, they've shown, obviously, Sean, that you know, they're not 100% reliant on them. They've come through the competition Beaten, you know, as, as we sort of alluded to earlier, you know, all teams that were were, were probably well fancied at the outset of the competition. So, you know, Colville's league form maybe over the last couple of years was was the perfect deception, really. Um, where teams probably, you know, maybe weren't counting on them making so much of an impact in the competition. Uh, but as you've alluded to, the, the players are that they're that they're able to, to to sort of line up or line out at the top end of the field have have really come up trumps and like they've been consistent. That you know the, the, those players have consistently been scoring in all the games uh, and and really providing providing that outlet and like 
I think it's fair to say Colville would prefer to play a more direct style of football. So if you're willing forwards up there who are willing to come in and show and present and, and, and win their own ball, then it makes all the difference. And in terms of Waters, whether he starts or not, it's going to be difficult for Kerr Krupp and they're going to have to have a plan A, B and C maybe for their matchups because if Waters starts, they're going to obviously have somebody detailed on him and that probably means that Ryan Garvey goes out to the middle of the field um, along with Niall Rowland. But if Waters doesn't start, Garvey starts inside. So it's a lot of thing to think about for Kerr Krupp and I'm not sure what matchups we're going to see come Sunday. Yeah, it, it is. There's there's quite a lot to think about there. Firstly, I think if you're if you're in Crumlin's um, boots, you would you would probably think how if they watch the semi finals on it, they would be looking to to get some kind of tabs on on Nile Rowland. I mean, we spoke about Nile Rowland pre pre the semi final, and you know we talked about different matchups and that. But you know we had sort of tossed up the idea would he go and try and you know pin down any of the Sarsfields players when when in reality. You know, it was probably the other way about Sarsfields really need to be thinking about how they could how they could stop his influence. So I would say, you know, Barry Flynn would be pretty meticulous in that way. I'm sure he's he's analyzed um Colville in, in whatever way he's been able to to sort of see them in either in the flash or, or through footage. And I'm sure Barry will, will will have looked at that and, and thought that maybe now Rome would 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 essentially hold the key to to how they build their attacks. So if Cruppen can can sort of maybe get somebody to detail that role and do it in disciplined fashion, uh, you would think that it would give them it would give them a fair foothold in the game. Yeah, there's no doubt now Roland has been probably the star of the intermediate championship from what I have seen. I've been lucky enough to be at all three of Colville's games so far, and he's been sensational midfield and he does everything you would want from a midfielder. He gets back, does the hard yards, covers the ground. And puts in the big tackles, but also breaks forward. And he has scored 2-4 across the three games. And the Kerr in midfield, two youngsters, as we spoke about, that were on that 2019 um, intermediate winning team at under-20 level. It's Richard Keenan and Jack Cunningham. Richard Keenan is probably one of Kruppen's best men, one of their go-to men. It's probably not likely that we're going to see him go and rolling because he, he's actually Kerr Kruppen's top scorer. Um, he's a free taker as well. He's scored 12 points in the championship. It's probably going to be a man marker, Peter, because Sarsfield showed that putting a midfielder on Roland and trying to get him to play his own game just doesn't work. Roland playing his own game means that Cullerville are going to be um, going to have a better chance of winning. You're going to have to put a man marker on Roland here and who it, who it is going to be, I'm not sure, but I don't think we're going to see Keenan Roland match up. No, I, I I don't think so either. But I mean, at the same time, you know, as as good as Roland is from a Colin perspective, you wouldn't be overly comfortable with you know the two of them facing off either. Because if 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 they were to to put Roland on Keenan, but the two of them sort of just drift off and do their own thing, you know, Richard Keenan is well capable of hurting Colville, you know, going the other way as well. So you would imagine that potentially, you know, Colville might might sort of slightly rejig maybe to accommodate the attacking threat coming from from Kerr Crumlin's midfield. It's it's hard to know. Um and to be fair to Jack Cunningham, you know, he's good over the ground. He's athletic. He can get forward. He's great in the air. Like Kerr Crumlin are going to ask a lot of questions. I think it could you could make a case for saying that it would probably be Colorville's sternest test of the eight in the middle. Yeah, it's definitely a clash we're looking forward to that middle eight. Um, that seems to be where both teams 
like to to play the ball. If Garvey's out there as well, we're going to have some of the best players at this level in round that middle eight. Um, and I suppose we've talked about Colville's forwards. We'll switch the other end now. The Colville um, defenders matching up with the Carrick on forwards. Um, I suppose Woods and and Kelly are the two main ones. Peter aren't the Woods. Um, I wrote a piece on Thursday of the pivotal players and I pointed to Colleville's as Niall Rowland and Owen Woods. I suppose you could make an argument for a couple of the younger boys for Kerr Cruppen, but I think Woods has been probably their standout player so far. His speed, his um, energy, his accuracy, he can come and win a kick out as they showed against Tully Sarn as well. So Woods is going to be hard to tie down and if you can tie him down, Colleville will feel that the, they've improved their chances of winning this game. Well, the will, the will, surely. Look, they're, they're, they're well supplemented there in, in likes of Laura McParlin and, and Stephen Lockern as well, to be fair, Sean, who, who will weigh in and, and do their bit. And Lockern especially um, has, been, has been chipping in with his couple of scores every game and he plays a full forward. And you can see that he's genuinely in there as a as a good decision maker, somebody that can win first-time ball and bring and bring those other players into it as and when needed. Um, it goes without saying that, that the other two have been very much to the forefront, uh, Kelly and Woods, um, through the entire campaign. Uh, you know, what we're still seeing in football is that teams who, who can load their team with pace and, and people that want to be direct tend to still get a lot of joy. And, and that's that's really, I think, in the quarterfinal especially um, against Wolf Tones, Kelly was excellent in the second half. Not as an inside player, but as somebody that came out the field and really started to ask questions with his direct running and what was a turgid enough game. Uh, it was that type of pace that really started to open things up and, and give Kruppen that, that bit of daylight. So, you know, there's good fluidity. They can interchange. Um, you know, either player could probably play inside or they can play a wee bit deeper as half forwards. Um, and, and we've seen both hit scores coming, you know, late on the run. So it'll be interesting. Um, I think there's, I, I think there'll be a lot of movement in the forward line. I don't think you'll see a lot of players playing, you know, stuck to one position. Uh, you probably have Lockern and then the rest of the players will probably sort of just rotate off that. So it should be interesting. I think Colville probably will have their hands full there in terms of keeping tabs and those lads because they're moving really well. And I think as I touched on, maybe maybe for the last game, I do expect that, you know, Woods to date is is tipping along nicely. But, you know, you would be thinking that there's there's still more in his tank yet. I think he, he was on the edge of pushing into life against Tully Sarna um, in that first half he was sensational and maybe the other boys come into it a wee bit more and he didn't he didn't get playing to the same level in the second half but I'm in agreement with you I think if Woods can push into life it's going to be very exciting to see what he has an offer on the biggest yeah. stage available this year to him um, Peter I mentioned earlier that we we're going to try to break down what happens next year um, in the leagues if Either whenever either team wins here, and we mightn't be correct in this, but I think we we our understanding is that if Cullerville win, whoever wins goes up to Division One B. Obviously, they go yeah. up into the Senior Championship, so that means that there's going to be nine in Division One B next year, given that Clan Gale and Sarsfields have have already gone up. Yeah. If Kerkrop, that that means sorry, if this is if Cullerville go up. That means that White Cross then are relegated, who actually survived in, in, during the league, and Kerr Cruppen would just be promoted to 2A. Am I right in saying that? <laughs> Somewhere along those lines, Sean. <laughs> uh, I think it's probably interesting, Sean. There could be a development, say, for example, if uh, Balik 
win the junior championship, then that could effectively maybe balance out the intermediate situation for next year because you would have effectively three junior teams from, from 2021 coming up and uh, be playing the junior leagues, um, which would which would balance out intermediate. But again, it would be dependent on, on that result against Cross Midland. But yeah, you would have to say that looking towards next year, it's probably, it could be in for a couple of seasons, Sean, where there's going to be a wee bit of imbalance in the leagues until we sort of remedy the the all of all the backlash from COVID. But you know, I don't think a team extra here or there isn't really gonna it's not really going to make a whole pile of difference, I think, in the in the grand grander scheme of things. And I think it's also worth pointing out, Sean, that like this restructure in the RMR leagues maybe started in around 2016, I think it was the first year of of the of the 1A, 1B, 2A, 2B, etc. And I think now we probably have the thing sort of settled down as in teams now are effectively where they're meant to be on merit in terms of their their performances now over the last three or four years. I think the first couple of years of come in, you'd certain teams sitting in different positions, probably not 100% on merit, maybe off the back of one good season. Um, but now things have settled down and, and over the space of four or five years, now teams that have been winning have found themselves higher up and the teams that haven't been winning so much have found themselves slipping down the ladder. And that's, I think now the leagues where they are, Sean, are, are really good. Like, I mean, there's, I'm sure where they have a lot of different areas in Ulster where, you know, you've got that consistent, you know, close games every week in the league. And that's leading to probably what you would call more more even championship football as well. Yeah, I'd agree with you. It's definitely our the leagues are very competitive, like and we've seen that throughout the years. Um and we've we've seen it this year that the likes of Kier Kruppen and two B have are now contesting an intermediate final and the same with Clan Earn in the senior grade. Both earned promotion to the top level of their of their um competition, but in the year that they had played in 1B and 2B, they're now in the championship final. Um, Peter, we'll bring it to the most exciting part of our, our podcast, and that's always the predictions. Um, the last day out, I tipped Tully Sarn to beat Kerr Kruppen, and I was wrong, but I did tip Cully, uh, Cullaville to beat Sarsfield, and I was right with that. So this one, I just feel Kerr Kruppen's pace could be enough of a problem for Cullerville. I think a lot hangs on Colin Waters, whether he starts or not, and whether it's going to be an injury that forces him out or a tactical move from the Cullerville management team. I think a lot hangs in the balance with him. I think I'm just going to give the edge to, to Kerr Krupp on just on pure pace and their youth having no fear in this game and I'd imagine you're maybe going to tip the scales in their favour as well, slightly. <laughs> well, to be fair, Sean Colville would probably be delayed to hear me um, tipping Kerr Crook because <laughs> I think I've got, got most of their results wrong to date. So uh, that should come as a, a welcome a welcome addition to their preparation. Um, no, I genuinely, genuinely think that Colville are obviously in the final on Mert and they play you know, a, a good brand of football. They've got a, a, a few really ext- operators of extreme quality, and that's going to give them, uh, you know, a real chance. And I certainly don't see it being uh, either team, you know, turn up and run the way of us. I think this is going to be really, really hard fought physical battle um, on Sunday, and probably, you know, with the time of the year it is, although the athletic grounds is kept in immaculate condition, you know, we're we're seeing more and more rainfall, and it, it, you know, there's potential that it could sort of deteriorate into more of a dogfight on Sunday. And if that's the case, then you would have to say 
you know, the, the chances of Colville, you know, prevailing would be would be considerably up. That said, um, I make no bones about it. I've been very impressed with Kruppen and and their, you know, their continued raise over this past two two and a half seasons. Said that you know their teams littered with pace. Uh, they play a really slick brand of football, getting forward, good transition play, and of course with Blaine Hughes and Nets and how he can configure on the outcome of the game with you know his outfield contributions and pressing on the opposition kickouts and really sort of they will have that ability I think to 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 gain possession on, on callability kickouts if they can engage that press and the way I'm sure they're figuring on doing it and then it should give them a real real foothold in the game as well. The other thing about it is is the you know real good uh, accuracy from their from their distance free kicks um, so ordinarily 50 55 meter freeze maybe not too much of trouble to the opposition but against Crutton they have the ability to make you hurt on every one of those so given given the uh, the upward trajectory of their team now over a consistent period of time and the youth in their ranks and I think that we'll go in here with absolutely no fear but only but only with confidence and yeah I think that I think that Crutton will come through maybe somewhere between two to four points to spare Probably the fact that there isn't a heavy favourite here and there's not a, a Sarsfields or Shane O'Neill's involved. That we don't know who's going to win this. We can make our predictions, but it's a 50-50 game. This is going to be a really exciting match. We hope that it's going to be a good match um, between two sides that, as you said, Peter, they're, they're on merit. Um, make sure to catch up on all our action. We have previews coming up during the week. Obviously, our, our podcast will be back on Tuesday as well for a review show. We'll have match reports. We also have our Player of the Week from last weekend. It's continuing, so make sure to keep voting for it. And the winner of, of the Player of the Week will pick up a Player Fit jersey. Peter, thanks very much, and we'll look forward to hearing your thoughts again next week. Cheers, Sean. Thanks. Carlino Hanlon, the right person in the right. Yeah, you light up my life. This is Kira Donnelly for point number 10. Oh,